Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Alia Martyr. I'm an associate director at Philosophy. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to episode 42. Yesterday, I launched our newest resource, the We Are Next Index. When I guest lecture, one of the most common questions that I get during the Q&A is, what are some examples of other resources students and junior talent should be following slash using in order to start their careers really strong? And it's really hard to answer because there are so many great resources out there that take different forms. The Index is a crowdsourced directory of resources for students and junior talent. It's one place to find everything that's out there that might be helpful to you. We're going to emphasize resources that are accessible to everyone with a few exceptions like portfolio schools. You can check out the index and submit a resource that you love at we-r-next.com index. Our guest this week is Alia Martyr, Associate Director at Philosophy. I've been really excited to release this episode specifically because user experience and product design are roles and areas of the industry that have been growing in demand for a while, but still don't receive enough love, I think, in schools. Alia's advice, while specific to getting your start in user experience and product design, it was so sound that I think that anyone in any role could take a lot away from this episode, which those, of course, always make for the best episodes when they are specific yet relevant to to everyone. Also, I felt like I could relate to so much of what Alia was saying. It made the conversation so easy and engaging for me. So let's get to it. Enjoy. Thanks so much for having me. We're actually here at the philosophy office in Plato's Cave, which I sometimes use. They're nice enough to let me use. Um, and I'm excited to have this conversation because I feel like we connected We connected through Scott, um, who co-owns philosophy. And um, I was asking him, like, I want one of your designers on the podcast. Like, can you suggest someone? And he immediately brought your name up. Um, you're based in Seattle, yep. um, but you're here working for the week. So I'm glad we'll be able to do this face-to-face. It's, almost, yeah. it's always easier to have the conversation. Yeah. And Google Hangouts has been super buggy. <laughs> it never works as yeah. well as you want it to. So why don't we start by talking about how you got your start. Sure. I'd love to hear how you got into design, how you made your way into your first couple roles. Yeah. Um, so... I think everyone has their own way of starting and everyone has their own way that it's unconventional. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to school in Chicago uh, and majored in history and math. So I clearly didn't have a clear path. Um, Everyone was like, you're going to be a teacher or a professor or a lawyer. And I was like, I don't want to do any of those things Uh, and decided to join the wine industry. I got really excited about the idea of being a winemaker, doing things with my hands, being outside. Uh, And after a few jobs in Chicago, moved out to San Francisco uh, to work a harvest. And that was phenomenal. So I spent about a year uh, working sort of in as a sommelier, as a manager, as a wine buyer. And after about three years in the industry, both at college and after, uh, I got that feeling of stagnation. And I'm sure that's 
sort of a common feeling where you're realizing you're not learning as much as you used to. It's just about putting in time uh, and hoping for the best. And all around me in San Francisco in 2011, there was a ton of energy and all that energy was in startups. Mm-hmm. Um, people were extremely excited about how they were going to change the world. And I look back on it really fondly, um, although now I'm a bit more critical yeah. of that mindset. Yeah. but. At the time, it was intoxicating, and I had a friend who was running his startup, uh, and he was like, we're looking for UX designers, and I was like, I have no idea what that means. Like, an UX designer? (laughs) It's like really embarrassing, like how little I knew. Uh, And he's like, yeah, it's this role where you talk to people, you find out what they want, you champion them, and then you design things. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I want to do that. How do I do that? And he was like, well... XYZ, you have mm-hmm. to do a lot of stuff. And I ended up quitting my job. Uh, I was working as a manager at a wine store at that point and teaching myself how to code uh, some of the basics of design, like languaging, best practices, the etiquette around UI, um, and then fighting my way into my first job. And I say fighting my way because it was a, like a four month learning, applying, doing free work, not understanding how to do freelance. Yeah undervaluing myself, overvaluing myself. Uh, and it was like this terrible thing that culminated, well, not terrible. It was a really good learning experience that culminated uh, into finding my first job as a UX designer at a startup that was doing mobile gaming. It was a great experience. It was a great experience for my own resilience, mm-hmm. uh, for learning that I could do something that I set my mind to. Yeah. Um, it quieted a lot of those doubts where it's like, I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough. Uh, those keep coming back <laughs> no matter <laughs> how far I am in my career they keep coming back um, but at least that was one of my first big moments of like I can succeed at something I put my mind to um, yeah. yeah that's so inspiring to hear that you know you had a career in something completely different and I have a follow-up yeah. question about that as well but yeah. that you were able to sort of self teach and and put yourself out there mm-hmm. to do free work to do freelance etc to get into the industry because i think too often we feel like there are obviously there are the big barriers of experience and you need like a portfolio probably yeah. and you have yeah. to take time to build that but i think it it at least from like a monetary perspective i mean really what you're what it costs is time and yeah. like your effort you know right. you don't necessarily have to do like a crazy course or like go back to school or something, which it sounds like for you, you were able to kind of do it your own way. I think at the time, uh, there weren't as many design, uh, schools. Mm -hmm. They were larger design careers. Either I was going to go back and get a master's or I was going to have to get another BA. Um, the opportunities were more for like the boot camp, 10 week yeah. certificate courses were more for development. And I actually considered doing that for a little while, doing like dev boot camp or code academy, uh, and decided against it because I decided my time is actually like I have more time than I have money at, the, yes. at that point. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so made this really conscious decision that like I can form my own curriculum to mm-hmm. learn this stuff, um, which in retrospect took a lot of discipline. Um, mentorship from others who are already further along in their career because yeah. those things weren't innate mm-hmm. in a 
self-imposed curriculum yeah obviously um and so those are the things that really helped me succeed in getting that first job yeah well my follow-up question that I kind of alluded to and I, I apologize it's not gonna be on the outline but um your experience working in the wine industry can you think about any skills or traits that you picked up from your mm. time then that you apply to what you do today? Obviously not yeah. one-to-one, but like yeah. the things, like qualities about yourself that you think were fostered there that you use today. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I have a theory that everyone should have to work in the service industry for at least six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the lessons you learn in the service industry are invaluable to any career. Uh, the ability to talk to almost anyone, mm-hmm. to be able to to have to listen. Like when people say the customer is always right, that doesn't mean, I don't think that you get to like shut your brain off and let them say stuff and then say yes. Like you have to listen and you have to empathize. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those were things that I had to do every day. Um, organization, just like, yeah. it's so easy for things to get disorganized and to try and create method to madness in restaurants and in, in the service industry and in mm-hmm. the retail industry. Uh, is all super important to the success and like the efficiency of a well-run place. Um, And then overall people management. So in that position, I was running a store, which Mm -hmm. also had employees. Um, So hiring, understanding what people's goals were and seeing where those align with business goals and and my goals as a manager and how I saw success uh, of the store looking. I don't think I was at all... Uh, I, n- I didn't have words like this for what I was doing yeah. at the time. <laughs> yeah. I, only in retrospect do I look back and say like, oh, those were the decisions I was making right. and th- that's how I made them. Um, I wish I would have had some construct around those <laughs> things or words for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of those social skills, a lot of the soft skills uh, and self-discipline were huge yeah. for that. Um, and this is so cliche. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I might have you cut this out later. Okay. Um, like the desire to, to work hard on a team to get something done mm. uh, and the willingness to do that work and the feeling of camaraderie and success you have at the end of a really busy night, like a really busy Friday or Mother's Day brunch. Yeah. Like those days are exhausting. Yeah. But you come together as a team and you're like, we did it. Yeah. We succeeded. There were mistakes, but we got through them. So that like gumption and commitment yeah. to something. It's so much probably more tangible in the service industry, right? Yeah. You can point to something and be like, wow, like we got through that and we brought in this much and you know yeah. what I mean? It is so fast. Yeah. The results are so fast. Well, thanks for being like so specific about that. I, I, I think it'd be helpful for anyone who works a service job now or is thinking, you know, has to have a part-time job mm-hmm. when they're in school to mm-hmm. be able to think about what they're doing and be able to put it on their resume if they're lacking experience yeah. and um, in like the field that they want to go into. Yeah. I have a firm belief in people who listen to the podcast I say this all the time but I really believe that whatever you've done no matter what industry you were in before yep there is something that is applicable to what you want to do in the future it's just the way that you talk about it and sometimes like taking a step back and trying to find the words (laughs) to explain like what it is you're actually doing underneath like the task that you're doing um, can be super powerful I'd love to hear about your current role here at philosophy what do you do here So I'm the associate director of the Seattle office. Uh, It's a new office. I currently do most of the things that are 
involved with an office. And those are uh, networking, business development, operations, potentially hiring down the line, uh, doing the work, organizing the work, running these projects. So my position before that was in New York as a senior designer, and I worked there for two and a half years uh, and started as a just product designer and eventually continued to expand my scope until I was running projects and doing more on the strategy side with clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we found this mutual opportunity to open this new office and give this a shot. And I think it's inspired in me um, a lot of self-reflection and understanding about what it takes to do that and what it takes to make a commitment like that. Um, And I would recommend to anyone to take opportunities like that yeah. when they show themselves, even if you have to change down the line. Yeah, what a big shift from being like a doer, like in every yeah. sense of the word, being a product yeah. designer and, and, you know, like starting to run projects and stuff like that. Yeah. And then now kind of heading up this Seattle office and mm-hmm. I'm sure shaping what it looks like, you know, in terms yeah. of like, yeah. I mean, obviously agencies all have like, or companies have like cultures, but then like within the different offices, it's always like a slightly different flavor based yeah. on, you know, the person who's running it. And right. that just inevitably happens no matter how much you come up, how consistent you yeah. want it to be. What um, sort of like examples can you give of like project? You don't have to name yeah, client names sure. or anything, but types of work that philosophy does. Um, so we work with companies big and small. We do things from Um, marketing sites and product releases like landing pages and conversion optimization Um, and please stop me if I'm using words that are like lingo-y and I can like define them Um, I would say our core competency is in finding the right experience for a business and a customer Mm -hmm. so aligning like business objectives with value to the end user right um so there's actually something driving forward Mm -hmm. and so often companies have a ton of very good ideas um, but they don't know how to necessarily prioritize them or validate which ones are going to resonate with their customer and so that's often where we come in Um, we bring a lean startup mentality and a human-centered design focus Mm -hmm. to this process of learning what is actually important to Mm -hmm. people and to businesses. Um, And we've done that with many different companies. Uh, I worked on a project in Mexico City where we focused on uh, delivering a sales tool to Mm -hmm. a distributed sales team and they were having trouble keeping their employees happy, motivated, and they were losing a lot of employees that way. Uh, So we designed, identified that problem, and ended up building out a prototype to help reinforce like the positive parts of their job sure. and play down the negative parts. Uh, so they were having a really hard time feeling they were super lonely. Uh, they didn't feel like they had mentorship. Um, so whereas when we first came in, leadership was like, we believe we need a leaderboard and competition and that will drive sales. Right. And after a lot of interviews in Spanish, um, I don't know Spanish, it was, it was a huge challenge. Um, we identified that that actually wasn't the problem. They were super competitive and they yeah. were super driven, but they were really lonely and didn't know how to improve themselves. Um, and we ended up building a prototype around that, which showed a ton of traction uh, and 
really helped them helped the business achieve their goals in a way that they didn't expect yeah Uh, yeah I think more and more you know there's so much that businesses can do in digital I mean it's no longer even a thing it's just like (laughs) everything right Um, and you know a company's ability to come in and tell a brand or business like, hey, here's where, here's like what your customers actually want, like where they want to uh, like interact with you, like what they actually need and like where the biggest return and in investment is going to be like mm-hmm. with it, like leveraging digital yeah. because it's so easy to just see it as like a marketing channel that, you know, you right. know, you have to be on. But right. I mean, your example was great in terms of an in- internal employee mm-hmm. resource and tool um, that the company can use, which also obviously affects everything else in their business. Yeah. And if they have no employees, that's a problem. So yeah, I think, I think that's a great example of kind of these like utility and digital that you, we can build. And right. I know you mentioned you all, we, you guys also do like marketing stuff and product yeah. launches and stuff like that. But I always thought like the most satisfying projects were like the one that you yeah. said where it's like this like lasting value yeah. digital right. for the company. So you describe yourself as a product designer and strategist from your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> I know our listeners might be more familiar with strategy. It's something sure. we talk about a lot, um, but maybe less familiar with product design. Yeah. Um, and I know you just kind of like went through a little bit of what you do, mm-hmm. but I wanted to get specific about what you see are the hard and soft skills involved sure. in product design. Sure. Um, product design is interesting because it's a fairly new term, I think, um, right around 2008 mm-hmm. as like the new, I don't, I'm not sure what we're calling. Is this like .com 2.0 or is this like <laughs> web 2.0? I don't know like what I think we're we past web 2.0 now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But somewhere in there, this idea of a generalist designer came up. Mm-hmm. They weren't just graphic designers. They weren't just content managers. They weren't print designers. It was like this person who cared about an overall experience, who had hands in many different things, yeah. um, who were responsible for a lot. So I think everyone, they talk about T-shaped designers, and I'm not sure how much you talk about that on your, like with the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can have strengths in different areas, but the idea there is that you have skills in many different areas, so you can apply the experience that you, the company wants to promote mm-hmm. throughout um, many different stages in the product life yep. cycle. So to get specific, um, at Philosophy, we treat product designers, uh, they have visual skills, they're able to do brand mm-hmm. uh, and art direction. Uh, they have user experience skills, so able to think about task flows and pain points and goals of a user. Uh, they have front-end skills, able to get into HTML, CSS, and sometimes JavaScript to make an impact on the front-end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have facilitation skills, so can they run a meeting with a client to present the work, right. but also pull out the right information from the people in that room to reach the best outcome. Mm-hmm. So it's like a collaboration facilitation side, yeah. um, which gets a little bit into the soft skills. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things a designer can get good at is giving and receiving feedback. Um, people lately have been talking, designers have been talking a lot about the problem of critique uh, and how you critique something without undermining someone's self-worth right. and their motivation on a project. And I think that is a huge skill that we can all improve on. As a designer, I think it was like year four that I finally understood that critique of my work wasn't critique of me. 
and it took me four years. <laughs> like, it's really hard. And and I wasn't like I was in my mid twenties. Like, this yeah. is, <laughs> um, I felt like I should have understood that by now. Yeah. Um, but it finally took me from there to really embrace feedback and be like, yes, I understand. I hear you. I hear what you're saying, and I. I agree that that is a very good point. And sometimes saying, I disagree. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's okay that we disagree and I take your feedback and thank you for giving it, but I'm going to continue on the way that I am currently going. Um, I think the hard skills is interesting, just popping back to that for a second, yeah. because they are so diverse and there's so much in product design that someone can be good at. Yeah. You don't have to be good at all of them. You don't even, I don't even know if you have to be good at one of them. Like, product design's interesting in how big it is. Mm. But finding, like, for me, the area I love is the facilitation side, um, the user experience side, so identifying the right stuff, which has a ton of overlap with strategy. Right. Um, but I'm less strong on visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I'm sort of okay with that, I mm-hmm. guess. And I think picking and choosing those battles is is important yeah well you mentioned you know loving kind of the ux side of it and obviously like self-taught yourself and looping back a little bit to that are there any specific resources that you either keep tabs on now or Mm. that you used in the past that might be helpful for someone kind of just getting their feet wet interested in ux design so ux design i think right now is in a process of constantly reinventing itself like product design there's a ton of good resources out there i think some of the certificates are excellent mm-hmm. like intro to ux um from general assembly mm-hmm. or from other of those types of programs those will give you the toolkit you need to do ux mm-hmm. i think when you become a ux designer that's when you understand when to use what tools right. in what situation um the way that ga teaches is very often uh like almost like a recipe. Mm-hmm. First you do this, then you do this, then you do this, and in the end you'll have a cake. Um, yeah. And often products don't really work like that. You're faced with different problems, you're faced with different uh, ambiguities, and you need to choose what be- what tool is best for that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was not really an answer to your question. <laughs> yeah. uh, but to learn those tools, I think programs like GA is great. Yeah. There's um, amazing online resources for UX. A List Apart is one of my favorite mm. blogs. Um, Medium has some really awesome ones. UX Collective is great. Uh, the UX community is really alive. Yeah. Um, you can look for them. Like IXDA is a really powerful one that I'm involved in in Seattle. There's mm-hmm. a lot of information architecture communities. It, either way... Anyone who's discussing how a person interacts with a thing yeah. or another person is someone you can learn from. Yeah. Oh, well, thank yeah. you for like listing listing those. I, I do yeah. think I see it too. Like UX, I feel like is so in demand these days. I mean, I come from the advertising side, and I know advertising shops are building out their own UX teams because mm-hmm. clients are starting to demand like that step in the process mm-hmm. as they start building, taking on more work like e-commerce platforms and yeah. things. That it's like super important to like understand like the user flow and the pain points and the yeah. audience that you're building for. Um, but I still think you know, um, outside of kind of specialty. Uh, or maybe like portfolio schools. It's not something that's often taught or students aren't yeah. really exposed to, um, yeah. unless maybe, again, you went to like a very specific design program right. 
for UX, but just a, like your average undergrad might not understand that that's a path yeah. that you can take, even though it's so in demand. I'm always like, this is a thing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, so you mentioned um, feedback, um, yeah. giving and receiving feedback as, as a challenge. I want to, to know uh, what other big hurdles you see for junior designers, maybe from your own experience or junior designers yeah. that you've worked with you know as they start their careers so circling back to that four-month period of like learning and pain and stuff um (laughs) that was a mismatch between my current skills my current experience and the jobs that were being offered um i feel like there will always be a portfolio challenge when you're just getting started as a designer you probably don't have much of a portfolio um I filled that gap by doing a lot of free work. I know it's sort of painful to hear because you don't want to be taken advantage of, mm-hmm. um, but doing that free work is, re- is really important because you're solving an actual problem. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't find free work to do, which just go out and have more coffees, you'll find some free work to do. <laughs> um, I think that good things to do are like takedowns of websites. Like here's how I would improve this experience. Mm-hmm. Here's a redesign of Twitter because I use Twitter. It doesn't solve this problem for me. Right. Uh, so bulk out your portfolio by doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think portfolios are pretty well covered in ways to improve them. Uh, harder parts early on, finding mentors. Uh, is really tough mm-hmm. and for me especially when I was looking for jobs all I knew a bunch of engineers uh, I knew a lot of people in the wine industry but I knew <laughs> almost no designers yeah. and so I had no idea how to approach this job um, I didn't do a good job finding mentors I didn't reach out to people I was too scared mm-hmm. I got in my own way um, being on the other side of that now people who reach out to me I love that I love people who are willing to, because I was in that position where I wasn't willing to yeah. swallow my own ego and admit that I was a beginner. Right. Because I didn't, I don't know. I don't know what I was, maybe I was worried about soiling my name or something like that and being like, oh, I'm a be- hello, I'm a beginner. But yeah. like, I knew, everyone knew. Yeah. Um, I always say yes to those. Mm-hmm. Like, I will get coffee with almost, or have a call with almost anyone who emails me to ask for help because I think that shows so much humility and understanding and such a good mindset um that was a huge challenge for me and then i think finding my first job was hard uh and what i mean by that was choosing the right first job Mm. i think when i got into design i was like oh i know it'll be perfect i know about food i know about wine i know about design i'll have this perfect franken job (laughs) where i'm doing like food and wine and design and i know everything it's gonna be great um And this is something that I tell junior designers now that I don't know if they want to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, What the company does is less important than who the company is, Um, who you're going to be working with. Mm -hmm. Do they care about what's good for you? Do they care about your professional goals? Do they care about creating a learning environment that you can succeed in? Um, Because otherwise you will end up trading in your passion because the job environment isn't good for you and I think I made that mistake Um, not necessarily with a food company but I wasn't rigorous about learning who the team was and and how I was going to really be supported by them Mm -hmm. Um, and I jumped on the first opportunity and I'm I'm not I'm not saying don't jump on the first opportunity because I learned a ton from doing that yeah Um, and when you're out of the job for four months you're like 
Yes. <laughs> right. Anything. Job. Yes. Um, but be aware of that. Yeah. And think about who the team is and how they're going to help you, mm-hmm. because that is often more important than what they do or how much you get paid mm-hmm. um, or a lot of those other things that seem easier to judge. And I think that's what makes it really hard. It's, it's hard to quantify right. a good team right. and a good mentor and a good manager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The second job I had was the, one of the best managers I've ever had. And he was so supportive for me and, um, and my learning. So. Yeah. Well, I wanted to respond to a couple of things that you said. The first was about the people who reach out to you because I mm. feel very much the same way. I, similarly, when I was starting out, I feel like I was pretty shitty at <laughs> that yeah. part of it. And I feel like when I think back, I'm like, well, why? what was like standing in my way? And mm-hmm. I felt like it wasn't like a my name thing. It was like I, I didn't want to like bother people. Like totally. I didn't want to be like annoying and it would be like one email it's not like I'm constantly like emailing a person and now on the other side of it I think it's like so flattering when someone emails me I mean hugely I'm sure like people who are like VPs or like owners or whatever like yeah Yeah. they're really busy they they might not have time but like your average person working in the industry like they will find it hugely flattering that someone like took the time to like like you know like look up to them from afar and be like I want to learn something for you I want to connect with you so I think if you can um, think about it like that. It's not creepy. It's not like, Mm-mm. it's none of those things. And um, I do it now. Yeah. Like I'm in the middle of my career and yeah. I do it to people I respect. Yeah. And for example, I did it, um, a couple of weeks ago with the guy who, uh, created the Microsoft fluid design pattern and yeah. he had his own design agency in Seattle, which recently got bought. And I reached out to him and was like, I've really admired your work. I would love to sit down and just ask you a few questions. Yeah. And he was like, great. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. How about next Tuesday? Yeah. And I was like, yay. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Um, and then the second thing, mm-hmm. now I'm going to lose my train of thought. Oh, yes. Your second point about being considerate about where you are starting your career yeah. um, and doing that research up front. And yeah. I love what you said about it being hard to quantify those things that like really matter. Cause in the moment it's so much about, let me just like get my foot in the door. I just need to get in somewhere. Yep. Yep. And, and yeah, the things that you think on the surface might matter, like those aren't the things that will, cause it's not just about that one job in that moment. It's like setting yourself up for the rest of your career, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think back to like everything that, I've accomplished like yes there are things that like I did because I did the work and I worked hard and all that stuff but a lot of like the recognition or awards or anything that I've gotten in my career all came literally directly from having really great mentors who like submitted my name or nominated me for yep. things or like teams around me or like agencies that gave me the chance to to be in certain rooms you know like mm-hmm. that you wouldn't even put yourself in you're like mm-hmm. I cannot lead that project like what are you talking about and they're like no we think you can do that and like yeah. that's really what you need to advance or like yeah. you know in your career it's very difficult to just claw your way yourself you know what mm-hmm. I mean so um, I totally totally agree I think that's such a great piece of advice um, you've led product teams you said this earlier um you lead designers engineers strategists clients like all to you know bring something into the world um i wanted to know any best practices you've picked up in managing a lot of different teams and personalities 
Yeah, this might come back to what we were talking about before, but I think empathy is like the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And it's everyone talks about it now. Like everyone's like empathize, and and I I think even though it's sort of a a trendy word right now, it is it should be. Yeah, like it is maybe the most important thing you can do in your career, in your family life, in your personal life. Like if you in political life, like if you can sit down with someone and listen and and see the world from their point of view, you will have a much better time being creative, uh, problem solving, communicating, making friends. Like, why make friends? uh, Why make enemies when you can have friends? And um, so I think empathy is huge. I think people put up potentially false barriers between other people. Like, oh, we're designers. Mm -hmm. You are engineers. Mm -hmm. You do technical stuff. We do pretty stuff right um and you are the client and you don't know anything right and that's a really uh i'm just gonna say bad it's a bad way to look at the world yeah because you pigeonhole people and you make assumptions Mm -hmm. and then you set expectations based on those assumptions and when they don't meet them you're frustrated or surprised or caught unaware and it it hurts the way you do your job well Mm -hmm. or be a person honestly um so i think that stuff is huge hmm what else would i say i think there are some best practices practically Mm -hmm. of like um create like create uh write down things even though like philosophy works in a really agile way Mm -hmm. and documentation is sometimes the bad guy yeah but i do think documentation is important for when you need to look back and remember why you made a decision. Yeah. Like right right now in any, like when I'm going through a career struggle or a hard project, it's super valuable for me to be able to look back two weeks, one month, six months back and be like, okay, that's why I made that decision. Mm-hmm. What, are the, what were the steps? And so documenting that stuff, at least for your, yourself and maybe for your team, mm-hmm. uh, helps create that follow through yeah. uh, and the understanding of where you are so you don't feel lost down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, getting people in the same room, yeah, like that's huge. Uh, not relying just on, um, just on remote calls. Mm-hmm. Like you should meet the people you work with at least once face to face. Yes. That's pretty huge. Yeah. Um, what else can I, I feel like I always have to like round it out with three. But I feel like you're on like four now. Okay. <laughs> you're like, okay, great. I'll <laughs> no, that was amazing. Yeah, those are those are great tips. I mean, like you said, the empathy thing, it's so it's so fundamental to what we do. It's just yeah. like an industry where you're just working with and for people. And yeah. that's really the basis of it. You published a piece on Medium mm. kind of recently, and I loved it, I have to say. It was about Thank turning you. experiment-driven design into a tool for self-discovery, and you kind yeah. of use like, your own own life as an example. Um, can you explain the main idea and how our listeners can be more experimental in their own creative hobbies? Yeah, so um, I have always been a person who, when someone asks me what my hobbies are, it takes me like like five minutes to yeah. come up with like something. I'm like, oh, I must do something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I exercise, I walk to work? Is that a hobby? And it's like, no, it's not a hobby. Um, the idea is with experimental design, you identify an outcome you're looking for. You then make a set of assumptions and slowly work your way toward that outcome. And every so often you look up 
um, get your head out of the sand and see where you are mm-hmm. and if you're on track. And it's this constant like refining towards your goal. Um, so for this idea of self-discovery, I uh, was I always felt creative. I did a lot of art in high school and college and somewhere along the lines, um, my ego got really involved in that mm-hmm. art and I was doing it for the sake of hearing other people tell me it was good and yeah. not for what brought me joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did a lot of reflection around that. And it's like, what is it that actually brings me joy? I like doing things with my hands. I like doing things that have an immediate effect. Um, I like being creative. So how might I get to something that that hits those That's values? It, yeah. um, because painting wasn't doing it anymore. And so I made a couple of just little experiments. like. Let's try oil painting. Mm -hmm. Maybe because that's different from acrylics, I'll feel different. Mm -hmm. I felt exactly the same. Um, It was still too too involved, I think. And so I was like, okay, let's do some try something else. I went very different and went to knitting, um, which I still do. I think it's great. It's really it's really fun. But I was like, this isn't quite right. I'm still not hitting it. Uh, And eventually landed on spoon carving, which I know it's really silly, but it's like wooden spoons. I make a lot of them. Mm-hmm. My boss was asking me a couple days ago, Scott was like, do you only make spoons? Have you ever considered like diverging other, other to other shapes? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, spoons are good. Yeah. Um, but whatever it is about spoons, it took me many different steps and jumps yeah. to find this one thing. And I don't think it'll be the same forever. Like, sure. I think eventually I'll like wine. I will lose my interest in it. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I hope that I don't feel disheartened like I did when I lost painting lost is maybe a strong word but it is it's like that feeling of loss like this no longer brings the joy that it once did or it doesn't align with my goals anymore Mm -hmm. or it doesn't and this can happen personally it can happen in your career like anything and not holding on to those things like mourning that loss acknowledging that it was important to your life and then trying something else Mm -hmm. and then re re reevaluating where you want to go um I think I got the gist of it, but yeah. please read it. And yeah, let me know. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll definitely link the article itself, the yeah. meme article itself, so people can read it because you had some like really specific steps on like how to go about, which oh, yeah. we don't have to cover yeah. here. I don't, we <laughs> I don't need to cover it here. Um, but I wanted to say like as you were talking about it, because I read the piece and yeah. like, which is why I put it in the, the outline. Yeah. But like as you're talking, like I, it reminds me so much of my own relationship with painting or like art in general I used to do a lot more like sketching with like charcoal and like ink yeah. and stuff like that and and you know I went through phases to do it and and it did get to that point where I mean I think it was with like the <laughs> rise in popularity of like Instagram and stuff like yeah. that like it became so much about like well am I creating to actually like create from within and something that is some kind of outlet for me or is it just to like get likes because right. you know I'm capturing like right. the, the process of it and yeah. like the finished piece and um, you know when you become self aware of that it feels really icky I mean one yeah. <laughs> though I don't want to separate the fact that like you should feel proud of your work and want to totally. Show it, yeah, and feel good for the acknowledgement. Right. Um, but for me, that that toes a really fine line. Yeah, it's like where does it stem from? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think about that in terms of like 
and not just people in general, like, I don't want to generalize, but, like, anytime we feel like we're doing something so that we can capture it versus, mm-hmm. like, just doing it because we, yeah. like, want to do it whether right. or not there was a picture taken or right. not. Um, but I but I love, going back to your piece, like, I love the idea, even for myself, just thinking about, okay, like, don't beat yourself up that you don't paint anymore, that you don't, like, sketch anymore. Yeah. Like, that was, it. you know, like you said, it served a purpose and it's time. But, like, what else can you do? Like, what about that process was fulfilling at the time you know and then how can you find other ways to like get at that value yeah. or that that end feeling that might yeah. take a different form um whether it's like baking or oh, there's so right, many right, right. other things you know right. what I mean? so anyways i'm excited to kind of like apply it to my own life yeah very inspirational um let's end with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given whether it's about what you do professionally or yeah. just life in general so I had one in mind that I was going to say, okay. which is never say no to a coffee. Um, I think that your network is your network is going to be hugely important. Yeah. Um, the people you know and the people who care about you and the people who understand your goals are creating that community. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, don't call it a network. If that gro- if that word grosses you out, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, you call it your community. Yeah. Um, people who have your back. That'll be huge. And so the more people you can have, uh, the stronger that those connections are mm-hmm. um so that's one piece uh there's another concept that ties in with the idea of your first job which mm-hmm. i think is really compelling which is don't th- when you apply for a job don't think about the job you're applying for thinking about the next job you want and how does the job you're applying for now get you closer mm-hmm. to that next job you want And right now I'm in a position where my next job might be really far away, but I still have to think about what that next job is or else I lose sight of my outcome Mm -hmm. and my vision for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I end up wrapped up in the same mindset I had with painting, where it's like, I'm doing this and I'm doing this because it feels good right now, but I've lost sight of why. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think those... Those two pieces of advice are, are things that have led me forward yeah, um, and pushed me forward. I love yeah. them. They're the, both really amazing pieces to end on. And I love the concept of just like zooming out a little bit. I think the more that we can pull ourselves out of like the immediate situation. I mean, yes, stay yeah. present and all that good right. stuff. But to like zoom out and see the situation that you're in, whether it's applying for your first job or like stressing about not having an internship right. yet for the summer yeah. in the context of this larger career that you're going to have and the goals that you have um, down the line. Yeah. It's all a step towards that. Oh my gosh. This was so wonderful. I'm so glad we got (laughs) to do this. This Thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. Um, Where can people keep up with you? Uh, So you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, Feel free to send me a message there. I'm happy to get coffee or have a call and then we can do the email thing, go back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a Twitter and an Instagram account, neither of which I use super frequently, but you're welcome to see my corporate complaints or teardowns <laughs> of products or pictures of food. So if any of those interest you, uh, Twitter and Instagram are the places for those. Awesome. Oh, and then Medium is where I publish most of my blog content. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'll include the links to everything so people cool. can take you up. They should take you up on the coffee. You've already said that you'll yeah. say yes. So. Uh, like three times. So you guys better do it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Natalie. Big, big thank you to Alia for all her advice. A lot of times when I record these episodes, it takes a little bit of time for the actual episode to release um, because 
I don't do it in the order that I record them in because I want to make sure that it's a nice mix of different kinds of guests who occupy different roles from different types of agencies, etc, etc. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time. And in that time, sometimes people change jobs. And that is just totally a reflection of how quickly this industry moves. And so as an update, Alia has moved on from philosophy and I cannot wait to see what she does next. Keep up with her on social and definitely take her up on that coffee. Advice is so much better shared. Leave us a review on iTunes or share the podcast with a friend. And while you're at it, subscribe to our weekly email. It's a small dose of advice and insight delivered Mondays. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Check out the index. Tell me what you think. Help continue to build it. I'm so excited to see how it continues to grow. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.